Well, I invite you to open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of John and, and to chapter 14. We'll be looking at John chapter 14. And as we continue in this series, the series being the encounters of or encounters with Jesus out of the book of John, we've been looking at that for the last several weeks and uh, just going through this whole book and discovering some of the things that these encounters that Jesus has and, and, and the kinds of um, uh, influence that that has in people's lives and uh, it's been exciting. So uh, today we're in chapter 14, John chapter 14. Uh, you know, the Jewish version of marriage gives us, I think, a great picture of, um, of, of Christ as the uh, bride of, or, or of us as the bride of Christ. A marriage for the Jew, for the Jew of the Bible here, is, was a two-year affair. It wasn't like today. I mean, today you can go to Reno and you can get married by somebody who looks like Elvis. But for the Jew, it was a two-year affair. The first part was the betrothal, which I think was similar to uh, what we would see as an engagement. Uh, only to them, if you were to break off that engagement, that meant that, that you were, well, it was the same as getting a divorce. A good example of that, of course, is uh, Mary and Joseph, and we see that in the, in the, in the Gospels. Um, anyway, the man would come, the girl would come, and they would walk under this linen, linen covering that was held by four poles. And this was called a hoopa. You've got to have a, some kind of a, a guttural sound. So we'll just, I, I don't have that, but it's, uh, it was called a hoopa. And a hoopa was this linen covering, and it was, a, it was a symbolization. It symbolized the very presence of God over this wedding couple. And so they both came. They were both uh, uh, wearing white linen garments, and that was a symbol of holiness. It was a symbol of purity, and much like today where the bride wears the white dress, it's a symbol of, of holiness and, and purity. But they would come, and the young man uh, would give the young girl a ring and, and, and put it on her finger, and, and then he gave some gifts, uh, a dowry, uh, to the family, and then he would say to her, I'm going to go away for two years, but I'll be back. I'm going to go away, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I will come back that you, uh, I will come back and take you to be with me. And so then he goes back, and he uh, goes to his father's house and the, and the groom and the groom's father, they begin to add a room onto the house and when they're finished, the father says to the groom, it's time, go get your bride. And so what, that's what he does. Now what does that have to do with our text for today, John chapter 14? Well see, that language I think forms the backdrop for this text. This is really an incredible text. It, it, this, it follows directly after John's record of Jesus washing the disciples' feet and after he predicts Peter's betrayal and of Jesus predicting his own death. And certainly those things would have been on the minds of the disciples, these thoughts of death, these thoughts of betrayal. But I have no doubt that when Jesus 
was talking to his disciples in John chapter 14 that these other images, these wedding images, would have come to mind to the disciples as well. I'm just not sure that they were getting the whole, the whole picture. I, I think much like us. I, I, I mean, this here is a very familiar text to us, I think. John chapter 14. My guess is that many of us have, have heard this text, text at least a time or two at a funeral. John chapter 14. Any of us here? Well, when I read this text, I can't help but notice a number of different things that this text tells us about Jesus, some, some, some good things. But I, I want us to go through a few of, the, a few of these things uh, or just share some of the things that this text shares to us, uh, some truths that it, it shares to us about Jesus. So, for example, I think that this text tells us that Jesus is present in our future. I think that that really is what, God, what John is getting at in the first part of this text, in John chapter 14, verse 1. And I think this is the familiar part for us, but let's uh, uh, listen along as we read that. John says, or Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know, knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Don't be troubled, he says. <laughs> now, that's, that's easy for Jesus to say because he's leaving, right? I mean, his trouble is about over. And although he, he said it three times earlier than this, he said it back in chapter 11. His heart was troubled at the death of Lazarus. We looked at that last week. It shows up again in chapter 12 where he begins to anticipate moving towards Jerusalem and toward the cross. The text that says that his heart was troubled within him. And it shows up again in chapter 13. His heart is troubled in spirit. And now he says to his disciples, don't you be troubled. <coughs> well, in all honesty, I think that it's, it's the disciples' turn to be troubled, right? Back in chapter 13, he says, in essence, I'm going to go away and you can't come. You don't get to come on this journey yet. And they're confused. And frankly a little troubled. And, and to be real honest with you, it, it, it just had to be a little bit disturbing for them to hear him announce to Peter, not only can you disciples not come with me now, but you're going to come later. But Peter, you're going to betray me. Before the cock crows three times, you're going to betray me. Now that had to have been troubling news. You couldn't help but be troubled by hearing that Peter, this outspoken one of the whole bunch of all of the disciples, that he is going to make a mess out of this thing. And Jesus turns around in that context and he says, now don't you be troubled. I think that's easier said than done, don't you? Because life, I think, has some very troubling moments in them 
in it. Uh, every one of us in this room could speak of times. We could tell about troublesome moments in our lives. You know, maybe recently you think about, I bet you if you went to Florida, if you went to Texas, if you went to Puerto Rico, to, to any of those places down south, I, I'm, I'm, my guess is that they can tell you about troublesome moments. You talk to con- cancer victims or talk to the fam- their families. You can, they can tell you about troublesome moments. You talk to parents of, of children who have become wayward and, and they can tell you about troublesome moments. I mean, we can, we can think in our lives of, of situations and circumstances that have really and deeply troubled us. And Jesus says in the midst of that, he says, don't be troubled. I was, well, how is that possible, Right. That's really my question, and it's, and it's based out there something in, on something in the future. And it's this simple, I will be with you, and you will be with me. It's the promise that no matter what happens out there, that there is this standing promise of the presence of Jesus. And so even in, the context, in that context, he says, I'm going to go away. And, and I'm going to create this place for you. Why would you be so concerned over a place when, you can, when, you can th- when we can think clearly about his presence? Because, you see, it isn't the place that matters. Am I right? It's not the place that matters. It's the one who is present with you in that place that truly makes the difference. And the promise in here, in this text, if you read it, it says it, the, the promise is that you can be with me. That's the remarkable thing that he says because there's absolutely nothing greater than the presence of Jesus. Amen? Not now, not in the future. And so he makes this remarkable statement when he says this. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. I can get you there. And and this promise of a future puts this life that we are now in into perspective. In fact, that's the way that Paul deals with it in in the 8th chapter of of the book of Romans. He says that that I perceive that the sufferings of this life, remember we read that earlier, that they're nothing to be compared with the glory that we are going to receive in the other. My father had an aortic aneurysm in January of 2002. I think I've shared that with you probably a number of times. Um, I, 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 I can't forget, I can't erase from my mind the, the, the emotions and the thoughts uh, the, that were going through my mind as we raced in the car to get up to the hospital uh, seven-hour trip that took us five hours, I think. Um, and on my way to the hospital, I remember praying. Uh, Susan and I in the car, just the whole way up there, just praying, God, please spare his life. God, please heal his body. God, the whole way up there, just praying for him. God, please don't let him die. And he didn't. And i got to be honest with you, on this side of that and seeing what he had to go through for the next eight years, I'm, I'm not really sure um, that I would have prayed that same prayer. I think about my grandfather. He died back in 1981. It was really kind of troubling for me. I was a 10th grader in high school, a uh, teenager. I, I remember just at the time just wanting him back. You know, God, 
you know, is there a way? You know, you're thinking about that. And as, you know, I, I, I mean, my grandfather was an incredible person, and it just, uh, and as as our grandfathers, and and we know what that's like to to lose a loved one, someone that you, that you care deeply about, and, and I've always thought about that. You know, all the thoughts of man, I wish that he were back here. I wish that he were. And yet, I think about some of the things that he had gone through health-wise in his life, and I think to myself. You know, as I've pondered about that, I've just, if I had a choice, I, I don't know that I would bring him back. I, I think about the story that we talked about last week, um, that with the um, raising of Lazarus, I mean, we said that in Sunday school this morning, didn't we? It's like, that poor guy had to die again, <laughs> right? But I think about, you know, my for my grandfather, if he had to come back to, to, to a life of suffering and face the troubles of the world again, why would you want to bring them back when they are now in the presence of Jesus and they will be there forever? And so he says in this text, he says that Jesus is present in our future. Now I think what he also says, uh, the second thing that I see that he says here is also that Jesus gives purpose to our lives. He gives purpose to our lives. I want you to look at verse number 8, if you would. Um, in verse 8, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing, the work, doing His work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Philip says, just give me a little bit more evidence. And Jesus says, well, just look around you, right? Uh, look at what I've been doing. I, I, I've been carrying out the will of the Father. That, I mean, that's all his, always his answer, by the way, right? John the Baptist is in prison. He wants to know, are you really, truly the Messiah? And, and what does Jesus say? He says, well, just look, right? The lame, are, the, the, the lame walk, the blind see, the dead are raised. What do you think? And people came to Jesus and they wanted to know, do you, are you really who you say you are? Well, just take a look. See that blind man over there? <laughs> he was born blind. I healed him. He sees. Uh, you see that guy over there? He was dead. By the way, four days in the grave. He stinks, but I raised him from the dead. If you don't believe because of my words, he says, believe because I do the purpose of the Father. I live out his purpose. And he says, oh, and by the way, those of you who believe in me, <laughs> now grab onto this, are going to do even greater things than, than me. You're going to do greater things than I do. And, and man, I, I just look at that and I just scratch my head. How many of you have done any miracles lately? I haven't done much. I haven't raised anybody. 
I haven't raised anybody from the dead, though, right? But here's what I think he's saying here. I think what he's saying is the thing that I'm doing is the purpose of the Father, right? I am carrying out the Father's will, right? I'm, I'm doing that. You are going to do that too. You are going to do, you are going to do what I do. I think on a grander scale than I do. I think that what he's saying, you're, you're going to do that on a grander scale because I'm limited by space and time. I'm, I'm limited by, I, I'm locked into one place. I can only be right here. But you, you're going to be scattered all over the whole world and you're going to influence people for Jesus forever. That's significant, isn't it? I, I think the greater things that he's talking about is the carrying out of his purpose and partnering with him in the process of bringing pay, people to faith in Jesus Christ. I, I think one of his purpose, I, I think one of the greatest things that he does for us is, uh, is to allow us to have his purpose in our life, to give us something that is worth doing. That's a remarkable thing. We get to partner with Jesus. Say that, would you? We get to partner with Jesus in the salvation of the world. Wow. See, that's what this text is about. It's about partnering with, with him. In fact, I, I think that that's at the heart of verse number 13. He says, we have seen this outstanding promise where Jesus says, ask whatever you, you will and, and I'll do it for you. Well, that's, that's kind of the way we read it, isn't it? If you want something, just ask Jesus and he'll give that to you. Has that been anybody's experience? Huh? You just ask him? Yeah, we got a hard group here today. If you want something, just ask Jesus and he'll give it to you. And frankly, I, I think that's really a big misconception of this, of this uh, for many people about Jesus. That, you know, but I he'll get it in his time. I want us to notice what he says. I want you to look very carefully at verse number 13. He says, I will do whatever you ask. Read that together with me. In his name. Right? I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. See, what I'm trying to point out is that this is not a blank check for us to, get to, to do or to get anything that we want, right? This is an opportunity for us to pray that God will work in our partnership in order to bring, or our partnership with Him in order to bring honor and glory to the Father. I mean, you got a neighbor that needs to know Jesus? You pray about that and God will help. You need peace in your life? Jesus can provide that and He will. You want a fancy new sports car? More than likely it's not going to happen, right? Well, I guess what I'm trying to tell you is that Jesus is present in our future. Um, and that Jesus provides purpose to our lives. But I think this next section of this text, I think, is, says that Jesus is present in our present. He is present in our present, not just our future. 
See, I think it's one thing to, to say to a bunch of people living in a troublesome world, you know, you got the promise that after you die, God is going to help things get all better. It's another thing to talk about the fact that he intends to be present with you right now. In fact, look at verse number 15. Verse 15, if you love me, you obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and, I, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and he will be with you. Or, and, and he lives with you, I'm sorry, and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. See, he promises the Holy Spirit, or the presence of his Spirit, this, this counselor, this strengthener who comes alongside of us and says that he will be with us forever. In fact, he says in another place that it's good that he goes because if he, it, it, it's good. Jesus says that it's good that Jesus goes because if he doesn't go, then the Spirit can't come. And the Spirit is not confined to one place at one time. The Spirit, it says, takes up residence in, in every single one of us. And his promise in verse number 18 rings so incredibly true. I will not leave you as orphans. I'll never forget the, 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 the look on our kids' faces the first time that we picked them up at daycare. I mean, we dropped them off. We told them we'd be back, we'd be back that later on that evening to pick them up. But when we did, we got this look like, uh, Dad, Mom, I can't believe that you're here, right? And they would grab onto our legs and just squeeze and, and with this death grip. I honestly think that they thought that we were going to, or that they were going to be left there, abandoned, forgotten. I can't imagine. He says, I... I am not going to forget you. I will not leave you as an orphan. He says, you love me, you obey me because we're together in this thing. And we do. We do obey him, not because we want to earn his love, but we, want, we, we love him and we obey him because we want to respond to his love. You know, what a tremendous promise that every day as we walk down the street that we will never walk down that street alone. We never go anywhere alone. Not to a hospital, not to a funeral home, not to a neighbor. We never go it alone. Well, the last part of this text says that Jesus provides peace for our lives. Jesus provides peace for our lives. Look at verse 22. Then Judas not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do, you why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. 
My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Judas wants to know, why us and not the world? Well, here's the simple answer, I think. I trust you. I don't trust the world, but I trust you. I have peace in this world for one simple reason. Jesus trusts me. He has given me the greatest work in the world to do. He has empowered you and me to do the very thing that he does. He says, I trust you. If he's going to give me that kind of work, I've got pretty good assurance that he's going to come and get me when he's done. I have peace in this world because he teaches me. He, he doesn't teach everybody. He teaches me. Uh, that, that's, that's what it says here to the disciples, to you. I think he says, I am going to teach you through my spirit, through the Holy Spirit. In fact, that's exactly what happens earlier in John's, in John's gospel. They recognize Jesus, but because, because he had taught them something ahead of time. And now I think they're saying, oh, I, I get it. I get it. I have peace in this world because he's preparing me for what is to come. Did you catch that? You hear what he says in this? I'm going to tell you this now so that when it happens, when it does happen later on, you're going to believe this. That's why I'm telling you this right now. Don't let your hearts be troubled. But we're about to go fulfill the purpose of the Father, and that means that I have to die and that you have to suffer. And, but, but don't let your heart be troubled. I mean, man, I, I'm, just, I'm sorry. It, my human nature says I want to be troubled at that point. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. I came to do the will of my Father. I have come to do this because I have committed myself to do everything that the Father commands, and this he needs me to do. So I'm going to do it. Come, he says. Let's go. And that really is the invitation, isn't it? Jesus says, I am going to go, and I'm going to do the will of my Father. Do you want to come with me? You see that? Do you want to partner with me? Do you, do you want to join me? And that is always, that's always his invitation to just, to just join him in doing the work of the Father. And that's what he's asking, I think, today. I think he, that's precisely what he's asking. Come, 
Come and join him in his work. Will it be easy? No, it won't. Will it, will it be without suffering? No. Will it be without sacrifice? Probably not. Will it pass through a garden of Gethsemane? More than likely. Will it be worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Just come. Come with him. And that's the invitation. Let's pray. Father, I think sometimes when, we, when I look at um, this world and I look at your word and, and what it says, that it's, it's hard to, to grasp uh, that, well, maybe it's not hard to understand, but, but it's hard to, to realize that you just want this relationship and this partnership with, with, with your creation. And um, we don't always get it because we become so preoccupied with the things around us that we just, we sometimes just fail to see. And I pray, God, that you would just open our eyes, that you would give us the eyes of faith that would, would begin to recognize that you, in fact, are present in our world, that you're present in our future. You're present now. You're present in the future. You, you come to provide peace in our lives. You come to provide hope for all of us. And, Father, so I just pray that you give us the strength, that you give us the sense of and, and the ability to be, to be obedient to you, to listen to you, and to, to even to, to, to grow every day just expecting to hear your voice in our lives. Father, we thank you for the challenges that you give to us. And I pray that with a text like this that you would, you would help us to take it and not just to, to walk away and see a, a nice little <coughs> lesson in it, but to go away and say, I, I need to apply that to my lives my life. I need to, to take this and to, and to partner with Jesus and to always be focused on that and to recognize that this world is, is not our home. Father, we thank you for Jesus and it's in his name we pray. Amen.